So I'm just kind of walking you through the steps, but go on that business's website, read their language, look at patterns in their language, right? Do they have community at the top? What are they doing in the community? Read about what they're saying under their hiring. Try to get a sense for really like who they are. Like, who are they as a person? What do they stand for? What do they believe in? You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast brought to you by KevKayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now, here is the host of Nonprofit Problem Solver, Kev Kayat. Welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver. Brought to you by Yachtme, the virtual events platform, 100% free to nonprofits. And Pod Pro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Kev Kaya. And now that we've got over 50 episodes, I invite you to dive into the back catalog on your favorite podcast provider or watch on my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Just a quick reminder, you are actually the nonprofit problem solver. My guest and I are trying to make your job a little bit easier by sharing practical, tactical expertise that you can put straight into action. This podcast was recorded live as it's always been, and you're invited to join the live recordings every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. RSVP at nonprofitproblemsolver.com. You can find me and lots of free resources at kevkayat.com as well as Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Nonprofit Problem Solver has a dedicated Facebook group and a club on Clubhouse, where you can ask questions and join discussions with an ever-growing group of nonprofit experts and colleagues to get practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. My guest today is Mallory Erickson, a fundraising coach who hated fundraising for most of her nonprofit career. She had all the fears, imposter syndrome, feeling inauthentic, not up to the job. And when it came to corporate partnerships, she didn't have the most positive impressions of the for-profit folks she was meant to be working with. All that changed when she trained in habits, behavior, and mindset. She applied that to her work and completely reversed her experience and more importantly, her results. So much so that strategic corporate partnerships are now the cornerstone of her approach to teaching financial stability to nonprofits. Understanding what makes them truly strategic, however, is the key. Welcome, everyone, to Nonprofit Problem Solver. It is the weekly live podcast. We are streaming direct into the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group and onto YouTube and to LinkedIn. And today we're going to be talking about strategic partnerships with my good friend Mallory Erickson. But before we do that, let me first uh, thank my sponsors, Yachtme, the virtual events platform, which is 100% free to nonprofits, and PodPro Audio, uh, making professional podcasting easy. If you are interested in podcasting, contact PodPro Audio, tell Glenn I sent you, and he'll hook you up with some perfect sound. Okay, Mallory, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? 
I'm, I'm doing well. I've been excited to have this uh, conversation. People are always talking about strategic partnerships, and obviously we're going headlong into the busy season. Uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your background and what you are offering people. I know you're, you're a consultant and a coach, so we want to know where we can find you online and what sort of programs you're offering. And you can do a big plug on your uh, brand, freshly brand new podcast. Awesome. Well, hi, my name is Mallory Erickson. I am an executive coach and fundraising consultant. I grew up in the nonprofit sector. I've been here for the last 15 years. And like so many in the nonprofit sector, became an accidental fundraiser when I was promoted into first a managing director role and then an executive director role. But unlike maybe a lot of um, fundraising coaches or consultants, I really hated fundraising for the majority of my career. I felt super inauthentic and scattered and frustrated. And I got to kind of a breaking point where I thought about leaving the sector because I just couldn't figure out how to make it work for me. But I had this really lucky sort of combination of life experiences around that time where I was certified as an executive coach, went through habit um, training and behavior change training with BJ Fogg, started getting trained in design thinking with folks over at IDEO. And all of those frameworks really kind of came together at the same time for me to be able to take a step back and look at how I could fundamentally fundraise differently, both from a systems perspective, but also from like an embodiment and like human perspective for me. Um, and so I built a system for myself, which completely changed the organization I was running and my experience as a fundraiser and a leader. And then I started to roll it out to other organizations one-on-one -on -one through my coaching and consulting services, saw incredible results in 23 different organizations, big and small. And then this year, January of this year, launched the Power Partners Formula, which is my self-guided course that allows folks to move through all of the elements of my program. Really a big foundational piece of it is around how you build strategic partnerships, find mutually beneficial relationships that are going to lead to sustainable, reliable revenue for your organization. So you can find out more about me at MalloryErickson.com. And if you want to watch my webinar about Power Partners, where I go over the entire blueprint, that's at MalloryErickson.com backslash free. And yes, this July, we launched a podcast, which is so exciting. It's called What the Fundraising. Um, and the premise of it is really bringing in um, frameworks and expertise, typically outside of the nonprofit sector or like loosely connected to the nonprofit sector and apply that learning to the work we're doing inside the sector, since that was such a fundamental um, principle that really shifted my experience. It's something I feel really passionate about, uh, sort of taking our head out of the sand. We can get so into sort of the like um, recurring best practices. Um, and I think oftentimes we miss a lot of expertise that aren't sort of like in our, you know, kind of tunnel vision of how we're working. And so the podcast is really an opportunity to bring in things that we aren't thinking about and really need to be inside the sector. That was a Yeah, lot. that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, and I love this idea of bringing in uh, outside perspectives because you know I'm a big big fan of, of of adopting best practices where they don't exist but they they can't just be taken off the shelf and implemented rote or without any sort of tweaking and humanizing in context mm. they've they've got to actually live and breathe and be real and uh, it's not just a paint by numbers sort of thing and and a lot of the advice that you get and let's face it fundraising is full of full of advice there's lots and lots for people to uh 
maintain and, and keep up to date with. Uh, and, and I think your, your podcast is, is a particularly fresh look at that. And I uh, love, of course, the design thinking and uh, Professor Fogg and, uh, and IDEO, all, all that stuff. Yes, we could. We're always a danger in geeking out. <laughs> I know. Things, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what, what you said about the 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 strategic partnerships being a, a core part of sustainable successful fundraising and that's that's the uh, this whole idea of not chasing your tail constantly because that's what that's what drives everyone crazy about the sector and why uh people are in post for 18 months or less and there's so much churn and turnover and it's difficult to find good people and keep good people they keep getting promoted to eds (laughs) (laughs) so so why is why is the strategic partnership piece so core to that idea of sustainable fundraising? Mm. Well, I think the idea, like when I really think about strategic partnerships, the first thing I'm thinking about is, okay, who are the people, who are the organizations, who are the companies, who are the foundations in the ecosystem that are fundamentally trying to do the same thing that my organization is doing, right? And I think starting with asking ourselves that question and really sort of surveying the landscape for that is really important for so many reasons, right? Not making sure we're not duplicative, making sure that we're not all, we're not just creating a nonprofit for the fun of it. And we're going to start to go after the same buckets of money with people who have been doing this for 10 or 20 years, right? And so I think when we can sort of step back and say, okay, what is it that we're trying to do here? And who else is trying to do things? And how can we build partnerships that leverage everyone's skills and expertise and assets to achieve this goal together? It's just the money is a part of it, of course, right? Because generally, especially in cross-sector strategic partnerships, when folks are coming together like that, they have very different types of assets, right? So the company might have plenty of financial assets and the nonprofit may have plenty of assets related to how well they know the audience or the community or the customer base, however that's defined, right? And so both entities have tremendous value to be bringing to the table. And it's about sharing that value with one another in ways that stabilize both people or both entities, right? And so from a nonprofit perspective, I think that's often thought about just from the financial standpoint. But I think that there's actually a lot more there to it that's really beneficial. But of course, when you are providing consistent value to a partner where money is not their problem, but the challenges they face are things that you solve, then that just inherently sets you up for a successful long-term relationship because you're continuing to work together and share your resources year after year after year as you try to achieve this goal together. And that creates a, a much more sustainable model of funding when that's a part of the partnership. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I think, sort of miscast what it is that's strategic about the partnership, because mm. it's, you know, from the nonprofit perspective, it's easy to think is, OK, I love the big fat corporate check. And mm. in response, we'll provide some enriching volu- volunteering experiences mm. or, you know, or something of that nature. And 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 I think it's it's quite limited. Or there's the element, of course, is is sponsorship tiers in in an event. And, you know, and, and, and these are these are bread and butter thinking. So it's not necessarily that they are wrong, but they are limited in that they are not truly strategic. And so yeah. I'm interested to, for, to hear you, you sort of define for us what it is that makes these 
these partnerships genuinely strategic rather than merely a for-profit partnering with a nonprofit for seemingly mutually beneficial ends that maybe aren't clear to to everyone. Mm. You know, first thing I'll say is I think there I think there are some different kind of like thought leadership buckets around this difference that you're describing, but I'll explain sort of how I think about it. So you know, it's interesting in our sector, we use the word transactional a lot, right? Like don't be transactional. Usually negatively. Yeah. Negatively. Yes, it's, a, yes, it's an negatively. insult. Yes. <laughs> but, and I actually think we use it to just mean don't talk about money. And I think that's really wrong. Like, I think we use it as a blanket term to be like, don't be transactional. Like don't talk about money too early. And I actually don't think that is like the right way to think about transactional relationships. I think what makes something transactional is a money only conversation, right? That's a vendor relationship. You wanna give a corporate partner something and get money for that something, that's a vendor relationship. That's not a strategic partnership, right? So yeah. benefits that you're giving for sponsorship or a volunteer day in exchange for um, in exchange for funding, right? That's like a vendor relationship. And so a strategic partnership though, it doesn't mean that some of the activities aren't similar, but you're really taking that step back and you're like kind of peeling away the different layers and you're both being transparent about the problems that you're trying to solve, the things that are keeping you up at night, right? The challenges that you're having and you're you're being thought leaders together, right? You're like coming to that table together and trying to think creatively, innovatively about the different ways that your businesses, right? I could, nonprofits are businesses, um, just with a different tax ID. And so how your businesses can, can thoughtfully partner in ways that help you both achieve your goals, right? So the strategy is like, what is your strategy? What is my strategy? Where have we really been hang banging our heads against the wall? Where have you really been banging your heads against the wall? What's working really well actually over here? And what's working really well over here and actually doing like strategic type planning together. And then as you're formalizing that partnership, yes, there might be benefits like a volunteer workday because one of the challenges they might be having is volunteer engagement. And so it makes sense that that might be a part of the way that you partner together. But I think when you're talking about strategic partnership, it's not these like little one off, like you sponsored our gala. So you had this little table tent on our table, right? Like how, how is that strategic right. for the business? It's not right. And strategy is about the interconnection of the different pieces of our business to achieve our shared goals, right? It's not strategy is not one program or one sponsorship or one thing. So I think when we're thinking about strategic partnership, what we're doing is thinking about all the pieces that are going to help us achieve our strategic initiatives as a nonprofit and the business, if it's cross sector, right, or the other organization, and really like weaving those together in a variety of different ways to achieve that goal we both want to see. I think that's a that's a great way of, dist of distinguishing that. And yeah, we say transactional, uh, is, as we said, is sort of um, dismissive uh, or something to to be avoided. But in a way, a lot of folks uh, approach sponsorship in a purely transactional way in that, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a vendor relationship. We need a for-profit corporate identity 
on on the sponsorship and we've got these tiers and we are literally selling the sponsorships uh again it's not that that's bad but that is not strategic and i think the other dimension that you that you mentioned which i think is really important and strategic and why it takes time is that there are so many exchanges (laughs) which sounds transactional but there's so many ways of of sharing ideas and thoughts and activities that are not on the ledger you know, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily uh, write them down and say, oh, this is a balance. You know, we gave you this and you gave us this in return, mm-hmm. because, as you said, you're sitting around a table saying, well, we, we sort of both share this particular space, but mm-hmm. we see it from different perspectives. How are we mm-hmm. working together to to address that? And and if you're already talking that way, you're, you're beyond a ledger anyway. There's not a ledger you know, in the room, yeah. you know, I, I love what you're saying right now. And I think it's, you know, inside power partners. I when I'm helping folks prepare to go into these meetings, I tell them, like, I want you to have a rough kind of sponsorship tier framework, you know, in a Google sheet. But I don't want you making some pretty PDF with all these charts, because the idea is actually that this is just a jumping off point. Right. And the idea behind sponsorship tiers, first of all, which are not event related, they're annual sponsorship tiers. And the reason I still encourage people to use that framework is because businesses know how to relate to it. They're used to seeing yeah, they understand like that. It. And so, right, they understand it. So I think always meeting folks where they're at and what they're used to is a really important part, part of building relationships. But then saying right off the bat, look, here's some ideas we have around what could be beneficial to your organization in partnership with us. But this is just a jumping off point to really start this conversation. I want to build something custom that's really rooted in what we're trying to do together. And so I think that is really that's really important. And then in those sponsorship sort of um, benefits, you're demonstrating that you really understand the person's business. Right. So that there's a variety of things in there that really demonstrate you understand what mutual benefit looks like in a business relationship. And you're already starting to think about things because that's going to get their brainstorming going. I just want to say one other thing about transactional and then I will I will stop, <laughs> which is just we'll put that, our dictionary away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I think, look, there is nothing wrong with asking for money, right? Like I talk about that all the time, right? right. The, the purpose is the, what's really important is that you're being transparent about the conversation that you're happening, having, right? So what doesn't feel good is when you say you're trying to have a strategic partnership meeting, and then you're saying, but here's the only way for us to work, for you to work with us. And it's sponsorship right. of this event, and this is what you get. Okay, so that that doesn't feel good, right? right. And so right. I think the thing, the thing that makes money is not a bad word, right? And plenty of transactions in life feel good. Buying a house is a transaction, a wonderful transaction. So like, what are the beliefs and the perceptions that we have about giving investment in the nonprofit sector that make us so make transactional such a dirty word? I think it's because we've prescribed it to this really sort of like inauthentic and and misaligned way of being and showing up to these conversations. Money should be a part of the conversation with strategic partners from the get-go, but it's not the only value at the table. It's not the only asset at play. And it cannot be the only thing that it feels like is sort of at stake or necessary in the outcomes of that partnership. Right. I mean, it's almost it's almost dishonest not to to pretend it's not why you're yeah. why you're at the table there, because they, they know yeah. that 
I mean, there's there's a there's a broad sense of understanding about why we're having this conversation, how it got this far in the first place. So let's not yes. fool anybody. However, again, I think the uh, and this will be the last thing I say about transactional promise. <laughs> <laughs> Is that I think I think what people the reason we say we sort of dis, dismiss it and uh, or, or think of it derogatively is that it is as as you think I think captured really well describing it as a vendor relationship for which the relationship side the human relationship side is not required. Mm. You can have a vendor relationship with 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 anybody. I mean, you can have a deeper relationship, but it's mm. not required for the transaction to to happen. Whereas if we if we really want a strategic partnership, you can't just say to somebody, "Oh, you're." <laughs> You're you're my favorite cell on my spreadsheet. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, there, there has to be something human and, and broader about it. I said this sort of off ledger where there's a coming there's a coming of the of the mind. And I think that can be quite intimidating for people in the sector who mm-hmm. who've you know either never been inside a corporate boardroom or mm. or or, or left for reasons mm-hmm. that they felt it wasn't true to who they, you know, what they wanted to spend their career doing. So here they are going into either a, a, a space for which there's fear or negativity mm-hmm. or some sort of intimidating emotional response, and yet they don't know how to conduct themselves mm-hmm. or what to expect. I mean, it's, it's sort of stacking all the fears right on top of each other, isn't it, mm-hmm. around fundraising? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think you're so right. And I think what holds a lot of organizations back from corporate partnerships in general, you know, big strategic partnerships or small, like strategic initiatives even, right, is is that fear, right, that the nonprofit doesn't know exactly what to say or exactly how to how to be in that relationship, that there's going to be so much that comes up in that conversation that they can't answer. So they don't want to go into that meeting because what if they're asked a question that they don't know the answer to? And my biggest recommendation there is, first of all, you're never going to know until you start having those conversations, right? Like you have to, the, the way to get comfortable with building those relationships is starting to have those conversations. And then the secret sauce to those meetings is actually to listen, to ask questions and get curious and listen, listen to the pain points of the company, listen to the challenges they're trying to overcome, where, what my, seriously, my favorite question to ask someone is what is keeping you up at night around solving X? You know, when I hear their like mission or vision and the amount of times I watch people their shoulders relax, lean in, say, no one's ever asked me that before. Like it just, it changes everything. It's not about people how- People who come through Mallory's program, they keep asking <laughs> yeah, I know. Over and over. At a certain point, like in 10 years, in 10 years, it's not gonna have the novel effect it has today. But no, I mean, they, yeah. I mean, yes, I really teach folks to have these conversations because I'll tell you like, one of the biggest learnings I've had in having these conversations before I was ready, by the way, I had no corporate experience. I spent my entire career in the nonprofit sector, but I was really genuinely curious about what was possible. Like I saw that these or these companies that I had historically believed, you know, the nonprofit sector was sort of there to like fix all the things that the for-profit sector was like ruining about the world. And once I really actually started to understand better, I was like, wait a second, actually, like many of these for-profit businesses are so mission driven. There is so much alignment in the world they want to see and the world we're, we're trying to create. What 
is possible here. And I need to learn more about how they think and what their lens is and how they're approaching problems. And I, so I think for folks who are like, I don't know exactly the right thing to say, that's not a thing. There's no perfect right thing to say, right? right? The whole idea behind strategic partnership is, is there alignment or not? And if no, it's no rejection of you or your organization. It's just that alignment wasn't there and that's okay. The only thing you need to be like an expert, and I don't even like to use that word, is like your organization and you are right? That's it. You just need to know your organization and be super curious and in a space where you can be exploring something together in an organic way. Yeah, I think that exploration uh, is vital in that curiosity. And I can imagine uh, people sort of stymied by a lack of curiosity or again, fear around Mm -hmm. understanding uh, what makes that business tick? Because there's, there's a, there's again a couple of things aside from this conversation. How do I have it? Is uh, how could a business? What does a for-profit business do for the community that I serve? How, how would they even mm. think about this? And of course, you have to have that conversation and 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 listen. And then the other element that I was thinking as you were speaking is that you you don't know whether you're going to be able to really work with the corporate sponsor person or whoever it is that, that the human person who's representing that company um, until you actually start to build that relationship. And it takes time. These aren't sort of just add water and whoa, ho. but the, 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 the trick, of course, is that you can get on famously well with that person and still there's no alignment. So, there's, you know, there's just mm-hmm. no guarantees in this work, but you have to start before you get anywhere. Yeah. And the thing is that I would say is that so it's such a good point what you just said. But the thing is, if you do get along famously well and there's no alignment, you're going to learn that really early in the process. And that's a gift. The goal, like for my people, I don't want them to spend 18 months and then get a no. Like get a no right away. Like, please save yourself the time that, yeah, like just, let's just get there. Right. Like, I think we are so in this sector afraid of, we take the rejection. We, we take a, a no or a like misalignment or this isn't a good fit so personally. And this was so true for me too, like in my earlier years. And, um, and so that we, we want to avoid that at all costs. And so we sort of sidestep a lot of conversation or we don't bring up money yet, or we do all these things just because we don't want to face that rejection. And I think if you look at this through the lens of this is not about rejection, this is not about you being good enough or bad. This is about alignment. And if you're trying to find your strategic partners, it's going to be 2% of the people you think might be your strategic partners that are the right strategic partners for you. But that funding and that relationship in really building a strategic model, you don't need 90% of people to say yes. You only need 2% of people to say yes. And you need those to be the right people also, right? There's no reason to shape shift your organization or to show up to those meetings as anything other than yourself, because then you're going to have to be that person the whole time. (laughs) Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. You can't be asking yourself, which lies did I tell? You know, trying to remember, but you're right. It's a filtering and a matching process. And and the, 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 um, I don't know if it's the irony of the right word uh, here, but it, the the more you take it personally, the more you take it personally because you have fewer conversations and mm-hmm. you increase the stakes each time. And and that's the worst 
situation to be in. You want to have a lot of low stakes conversations in the beginning, the sort of your first round, your sort of filtering round, don't you? Because yes. again, if you're not familiar with the corporate space or you're not really comfortable networking in that environment, you've got to you've got to do that work to get comfortable, surely. Yeah. And I would just say that there are so many opportunities. Like, I think the thing is people think like, oh, I, but I can't now I'm just not ready to have that beating with that business. I'm like, why? There's like literally 4,000 other businesses like it. Like, like, so what, you know, like, and so I think that's the other thing to recognize that like, this is not, and that's where our sort of scarcity mindset comes into play and feeling like we really have like fixed opportunities. And, and I get it. Like, I mean, a lot of the work I do with folks is around this emotional component, right? Really like understanding yeah, the mindset what's happening. around mistake yeah. making, yes. risk and taking. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So it's so real. But I think like if you can, you know, one shift to that piece around, it's about finding alignment and about you being able to say no to, you know, the, another thing I'll say here in nonprofit from nonprofits a lot is, well, what if we don't want to partner with them? Like, what if we get in there and we realize that, you know, they're greenwashing or this is value signaling that it's not really strategic partnership. I'm like, cool. Then you walk away. <laughs> then you say, this isn't the right fit for us, you know? And, and I just think like, we need to reclaim, I guess, that power in the nonprofit sector that yeah. we really have tremendous things of value to be offering in these strategic partnerships and these cross-sector partnerships. And we get to choose. You know, Inside Power Partners, folks raise a, a ton of money, but I'll tell you the proudest moment for me in that of the year was hearing about someone inside the program who turned down a million dollar opportunity. And I was just like, there was nothing that told me more that like we're doing the right work than than for yeah. her to be able to confidently say that is not the direction my organization is going. That's going to burn my staff out. That's going to stretch us in ways we really can't show up to. It's not the right fit. And like the confidence that she had and and in in her funding through other streams, to me, that was like the best sign. Not all money is created equal. And so the idea, yes, strategic partnerships take time because the goal is that you're building them for a long time. Right. And like, right, right. like you're going to date right. someone for a while before you marry them. <laughs> so because like the process of undoing, like you don't want to learn things once you're married that maybe you didn't know ahead of time. Um, and so so like I think that that's what this is about. This is about really building a long term partnership. And so that is going to take time. And sometimes it doesn't mean that sometimes there's never an engagement before that full strategic partnership. I really encourage people to have a smaller kind of strategic program or strategic initiative, like a little small thing folks do together to even see like, how did it feel to work together? Can we look at the ROI yeah. together for both of us right before you're doing some multi-million um, strategic partnership? Yeah. You can't just start with the, with the home run, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. so when people come to, to you and your, your program, are you, what are the sort of common misconceptions that they have? And we talked a lot about mm. fears and things that people say that, well, I don't want to do that. But mm. are there are there sort of more fundamental misconceptions about the way they're thinking about this work overall and where it fits in? Mm. Yes. <laughs> so I would say there's two. One of them, one of them, well, I think there's more than two, but maybe two that I'll, I'll highlight here. One is that, um, which I think I, I started to address before, is that I think in the nonprofit sector, many of us um, believe that 
really like community, like change work is limited to the nonprofit sector. And I think we have some blinders on around the role of business for good. And the fact that really in the last 10 years in particular, we've seen a huge shift in the market around social impact from a business perspective and the way that businesses are thinking about delivering value and the way that businesses are working. And so I think the first thing that I have, I kind of like dispel for folks when they start to come to me is like, look, you have to really change the way you think about the purpose of business too. Because if you don't, then you are only going to go to those meetings thinking about money. And that's going to set up this sort of traditional power dynamic where you're the person who needs money. They're the person who has the money. How can you get the money? Right. Like you really need to reframe the way you think about the purpose and possibility of what business can be. Right. And so and to let go, maybe some of the. I don't know if like resentment is the right way of saying it or like I just feel like when I was leading organizations, I sometimes was really up on my high horse around like, you know, well, we're fixing the problems that you're creating. Um, (laughs) It's a a tribal thing, isn't it? Yes, that's a really good point. But I think the first so I think our tax code is better than your several tax codes. (laughs) Right. So I think the first thing is really like unwinding those thoughts and beliefs. That's kind of the first like big misconception that I think holds people back. The second one is that the way to partner with companies is primarily through their CSR department. I think this is another way that businesses have really shifted over the last 10 years where they're starting to look at partnerships and relationships and value across their organization in so many different ways. And so companies often have marketing that's still doing like cause-driven, impact-driven marketing. They do have their CSR. They do have their foundation sometimes too, right? And really understanding sort of the interconnection between those things. And I think having really transparent conversations right off the bat about who should you be talking to? Where should you be working? I just had a client who had been working with the CSR CSR department at a company for two and a half years. And I was like, no, go to this person at marketing, start. And in 10 days, she closed a $10,000 partnership. So it's like, so CSR. The money's in marketing. Yeah, the money's in marketing. Number one, Um, definitely. And the quick release of funds is in marketing, right? My hope is, and I think, you know, businesses are trying to, on their end, internally weave these components together in a better way, but they aren't, they're still, it's still very clunky for most companies, right? And so in some companies, you might be able to work with all the entities. You might be able to do something with the CSR department and with marketing and with the foundation. In other companies, it's literally illegal for you to work with the foundation and marketing, depending on the product they sell. And there, so you need to, this is why there's no one blueprint for here's how you build a strategic partnership. This is why the best thing to do is get curious, ask questions, be genuine, say, are you the right person for me to be talking to about this? Where's the, where can we go the deepest around achieving our shared goals? So it reminds me again, as we were saying earlier, those things that are off the ledger uh, in terms of 
what is it that we're actually going to be doing together and and how is that going to add respective value to our organizations and and value to the relationship and the one word we haven't used well, we probably should now uh because well, i'm going to just throw it in there even though we put our dictionaries away is trust and mm-hmm. and the the idea that you you have a you have a different relationship with a foundation even a corporate mm-hmm. foundation than you're going to have with a marketing department mm-hmm. and again with with csr the, you you as a nonprofit are serving different functions in a sense for for mm-hmm. those uh, those different departments, and as I said the one with the real muscle to the heart of the organization is is the marketing, and that's where you that's where they actually do strategy genuinely. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot less CSR strategy and a lot less foundation strategy. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, love so you building, said that. building building sort of trust with with marketing seems. And again, I think a lot of the things we're talking about. I don't know that we're making it less intimidating for people who don't, who don't, who don't do it. Um, and I'm, and so I'm wondering if, um, if, if you would be willing to share some of the sort of tactics that you use, some of the routines that people should start thinking that make it accessible, feel like I can do this. I know that sounds, okay. sounds like a big thing to earn the trust of a marketing department. God, I wouldn't even know where to start, but mm-hmm. actually if you do, these two or three things that Mallory's about to tell us, then, mm. then, then you know, maybe that's not too intimidating. Yes. Okay. I will walk you through that, but I want to say something about trust first, because I actually was on a little group coaching call for a friend's um, a membership recently, and we were talking about corporate strategic partnerships as well. And we were at the end of the call, and I said to them, I said, how many of you trust me right now? They all raised their hands. And I was like, I think there's a big misconception in our industry about how long it takes to build trust. Why do you trust me right now? You trust me right now because you can tell that I genuinely care about the success of your organizations. You trust me because I'm really listening to you, because I'm answering you honestly and transparently, because I said I don't know a few times and I'll circle back. Like, that's why you trust me. And so, and and the other piece of it, the other reason why I think you can actually build trust fast is when you approach conversations through the lens of the person that you're talking to. And so when we think so much of what I do around helping people identify and meet with and close these strategic partnerships is helping them see their organization, see the problem, see the challenge through the lens of the other party. Right. And to be able to ask questions to learn about that lens. Right. And that and that actually that is one of the things that builds trust the fastest is people feeling seen and heard and listened to, you know, and so many corporate partners, I think in particular, are very used to the old way of partnerships where they are getting 10 emails a day from nonprofits who just want their money and no one's asking them how they can help them. And just imagine what that feels like for them. You know, I think we 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 believe or I believed for a long time that, oh, I was so empathetic, you know, as a nonprofit leader, of course, like nonprofit leaders, we have the most empathy. But I actually don't think we're that empathetic to business leaders or marketing leaders. We don't take the time to say, what is their pain and what are they trying to do and what does that look like for them? And I think when we do and we approach conversations with that genuine curiosity around their experience, because they're they're just humans, too, um, it naturally builds a deeper sense of trust a lot faster. So 
all right, you're overwhelmed. You're like, where do I even begin, Mallory? Here's, here's what I would say. Think about one business that you believe overlaps with your organization, either in terms of the direct issue you're trying to solve, the community that you work with, or the audience of your donors, right? Those are sort of three options to think about. So I just want you to think of one business that overlaps with you from a sort of mission and vision perspective, or a community perspective, or an audience perspective. And then I want you to put yourself in, try to put the lenses on of the funders. I mean, I do a lot of training around this, so I'm just kind of walking you through the steps, but go on that business's website, read their language, look at patterns in their language, right? Do they have community at the top? What are they doing in the community? Read about what they're saying under their hiring. Try to get a sense for really like who they are. Like, who are they as a person? What do they stand for? What do they believe in? Look at some of their recent marketing initiatives. What does it tell you about what they care about? What they're trying to do? What they want people to believe about their business? Right. And sometimes I'll say I will print out Facebook ads from a company and I'll highlight words that I keep seeing over and over and over again. And and it just it starts to like it starts to be like one of those pictures where like you can't see the picture at first. It's just all the repeat patterns. And then you're like, oh, there's the, you know, uh, map of the, <laughs> you know, island or something. So that so start to look at right. patterns in the company's language. And then write them an email talking about what you saw. Dear blank, I recently saw your advertisement for X where you really highlighted X, Y, and Z. It's really clear to me that you are trying to do Y. Over here at Blank Organization, we are fiercely committed to that too. And I'm really impressed with the way that you are blank, blank, blank. Would you be interested in jumping on a short 15 to 30 minute call to talk about ways we might be able to work together to achieve our shared goal of blank? It's really that simple. I think the emails that we send are all about us. They're all about our mission and our impact and all the things, right? They, that email, because here's the deal. The person who's receiving that email, they're being held to a bunch of metrics from their boss. They have to report on how they're achieving their goals to their boss. If your email recognizes what they're trying to do and says that you think there's a way for you to achieve that goal together, well, they definitely want to talk to you sooner, right? That's not some like favor call. That's really like, okay, we can work together. There might be a way for us to work together to achieve this shared goal. Right. And it, it seems at that basis, you know, one of the um, presumptions, perhaps, that, that our sector needs to release about the private sector and these potential corporate partnerships is they're not looking to just dump some money for uh, a tax mm-hmm. advantage and or, mm-hmm. or to for, for reputational um, benefits. If if they actually are genuinely trying to see so that we have to actually believe that there are businesses out there, clearly not all of them, but they're the two percent that you referred to that are actually trying as part of their profit making activities, as part of their 
commercial activity are, are actually influencing in some beneficial way, either our community or our audience or, you know, some of those uh, things that overlap with what we're doing. And that's, mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would say, <laughs> just having just heard myself say it, that, that's not a standard view in our sector, really, is mm -hmm. it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. And I actually think it's going to be much more um, than 2%. I mean, in the way we're seeing like ESG funding take off. And, you know, I think that, and especially, I think I've been really interested in seeing sort of like the rise of small businesses and mid-sized businesses really taking on social impact as a core component of what they do. Um, and and so I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that has to be one of the ways that we fundamentally shift so that we can feel genuine and authentic when we want to help their bottom line. You know what I mean? Like, I think that in order for us, I, I did a training on corporate partnerships maybe a year ago now. I didn't know this at the time, but the um, the corporate sponsor of the event was on the training. And at the very end, he came on and he said, I just want to thank you for the way you're training people to talk to business leaders like me. He was like, because the reality is that someone can come to me with an idea for corporate sponsorship or partnership, and I might really care about the organization, but I have to be able to make the business case to 32 other people. And so if you can't come to me with and, and demonstrate that you're there to also help me make the business case to everyone else, I, I can't take this up the ladder. And so I think the reality is we as nonprofit leaders, we need to be committed to and recognize that the entire ecosystem around the work that we're doing, maybe not the entire ecosystem, because certain things are just harmful, but we need to identify the businesses that are not causing harm, that are trying to provide value differently, that are trying to show up for communities and constituents and customers in a fundamentally different way. And building partnerships with them is going to be good for everyone um, and 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 helping their business thrive when the strategic partnership is aligned in the right way should be very good for the goals of the nonprofit, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's 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 got to be correct. Um, what's interesting is uh, how that dimension varies uh, by geography and by industri industrial sector. Mm. So uh, I do wonder whether there are parts of the country or areas uh, where a certain metropolitan areas, for example, might be a bit more forward thinking along those lines than, than others. If you were in perhaps mm. a smaller uh, community with fewer small businesses that may be, you know, they may be affecting your community, but maybe not aligned in, in other ways. And so it, it does take some time to really understand as you said, and I love the way you framed it to the very beginning, think of a company that meets these criteria and it may not be, you know, down the street from you. It may actually be some distance away or, you know, in, and in these days, it, is it fair enough to believe that uh, you can have these develop these these relationships uh, over distance uh, because of technology and the way that we're just working these days? I mean, think about the rise of companies investing in social media influencers. If like nothing else, what does that tell us about brand partnership explosion, audience sharing explosion, virtual partnerships, right? Like there is 
so much funding going into that area. And I've been sitting there like, why are you partnering with that random person on Instagram? You need to find the nonprofit that's doing blank and partner with them. Like it's a better investment of your funds. It's a, it's a more like, it's a closer audience, right? Like nonprofits, you have the best audiences. They love you. You have the deepest relationships with your people and you understand them in such an important way. And that is really valuable. I'm not telling you to go out there and sell them off to the highest bidder. I'm telling you to go find companies that you really believe, really believe and can see. They also want to support your people in good ways and your community in good ways. Those are the people to build strategic partnerships with. Yeah, and that completely shifts the power dynamic too, from the sort of cap in hand for a check to hey, we've got we've got community authority, we've got credibility, we've got a loyal audience. You know, is there is there a way for us to work together, as you said, through your marketing department? Again, marketing <laughs> departments, guys. Marketing departments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, to achieve common aims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Mallory. Can you remind folks where to find you online? Because I can imagine more than one person will be um, spinning out their browser now trying to find uh, some, <laughs> some ways of contacting you. Yes, you can head on over to my website, which is MalloryErickson.com. And if you want to um, learn more about Power Partners, you can watch my webinar. Just go to MalloryErickson.com backslash free. And I go over actually my entire process, including something I call fun. I talk about funder lenses in the webinar a little bit more. Talk about asset mapping, which is how to identify all of the assets in your organization that you really have to offer. And to really hit, Kev, on your last point that this is around shifting power dynamics and helping nonprofits recognize, again, the incredible value that they are coming to these table, this table with, all these tables with. Um, and so that's a huge, you know, when I say power partners, people always think I think just the funder is the power partner, but actually the nonprofit is the power partner too. So that's really what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for joining in, everyone, to Nonprofit Problem Solver, the weekly live podcast brought to you on the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Next week, I'll be speaking to uh, the social media storyteller guru, Julia Campbell. Join us then. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver podcast. My guest today was Mallory Erickson, who you can find on LinkedIn and Instagram and at her website, MalloryErickson.com. This podcast has been expertly produced by Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Go to PodProAudio.com. You can join future conversations live by visiting NonprofitProblemSolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit kevkayat.com because good causes deserve better results.